From Given, this is Purposing, the podcast that lifts the lid on how to run a truly purpose-driven business. I'm Becky Willen, and with the help of leaders at some of the world's most recognized brands, I'll be demystifying this often misunderstood topic into clear, actionable advice you can use in your own business. This week, I'm joined by Joanna Allen, CEO at Grays, the Unilever brand that's rewriting the snacking playbook for healthy people and planet. Before I speak with Joanna, let's take a look back at how a deeply personal moment in her life impacted the leader she is today. In 2014, Joanna walked into a hospital and was presented with news that changed her life. I found out when I was pregnant with my second child, he's now a voracious, nearly nine-year-old. I found out in my 20-week scan he was going to be born missing a hand. This was a scary time. She feared the many obstacles that her child might face. I remember one of the consultants that I met while I was still pregnant. She was like, you're going to worry about everything that he won't be able to do. And he's going to prove you wrong time and time again about what he has the capability to do. And without doubt, she was absolutely right. In fact, observing how other children interact with her son has brought Joanna real joy. She believes the lack of prejudice and bias they display is something that we can all learn from. We would be brilliant if we could welcome and be more accepting of people with differences. I think there is so much to be gained from broadening our horizons, welcoming new perspectives into our world. If we could all be a little more childlike, that would be a good thing. The value of embracing different perspectives is something that Joanna has witnessed throughout her career, whether that was at university or while working for Coca-Cola in Atlanta, Georgia. I loved my uni experience. I went to LSE and it was an incredibly international crowd. And I was just like, oh my God, there's all these people who have had these totally different experiences from me. That's amazing. And then when I went into Coke's Global HQ again, I was like, oh my God, the way you run a business in Philippines is so different to how you might run it in Mexico or Japan. And like, I gained tons of value from that kind of different perspectives. There's a humanity to it. It was actually a fascination with different perspectives and human experiences that led Joanna into marketing in the first place. On returning to the UK in 2015, Joanna used this understanding of people to help transform condiment giant Hellman's into a purposeful brand. Small actions, big impact, right? If Hellman's can encourage one family a week to throw a little bit of their food, not away, but into something tasty and nutritious, that has got to contribute to a positive impact. Joanna is now passionate about making a positive impact with healthy snack brand Grays. She took over as CEO in 2020 and the company certified as a B Corp a year later. The opportunity to then steward a business which has always had that desire to offer more nutritious snacks to the UK population was a massive opportunity, one that I leapt at the chance to do. So Joanna, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Can you start by telling us a little bit about Grays? It's a brand that I think lots of people will have seen in the supermarket, but what's the story behind the business? Sure. So we are the UK's leading healthy snack business. We're a very proud B Corp. And we are known, as you said, for healthy snacks across supermarkets, but also many people will recollect getting a Grays box onto their desk. And that was how the business started. It was a direct consumer business started by the same people actually that started Love Film. And they really saw an opportunity to tackle, I guess, the 
absence of really good nutritious snacks that you could get in a workplace. That was back in 2008, 2009. And the business has grown since those very early days. So as you know, this is a podcast that's all about purpose and actually doing purpose, not just talking about it. So what is the Gray's purpose? And can you talk a little bit about what are some of the ways that you're bringing that to life as a business? We would talk about our purpose being that we challenge conventions within the snacking industry where people assume that you can't have tasty and nutritious, right? If you think about the snacking industry, there's a lot of what I would call crap snacks. So Grays really exists to, to really challenge that convention. We really believe that you shouldn't have to, as a human being, compromise between taste and nutrition. And what are some of the things that that means in practice that you do differently? Because I think there's a big difference between having a purpose statement or having a purpose and then being a truly purpose-driven business or brand. So how does that really show up historically for Grey's? Grey's was really born from that point, right? Which is that there is a compromise that people feel they have to take. And we exist to challenge that. And we do that by making sure that in every product that we bring to market, that it has kind of a positive nutritional benefit. So that's a very tangible way that our purpose as a business comes through in terms of the business that we had. And frankly, if we weren't purpose-driven, actually there wouldn't be a graze. It wouldn't exist as a business. So to some extent, it's a really easy purpose for us to hold dear because it's so important. It's so fundamental to the business that we operate. So you talked a little bit about the beginnings of Grey's, but I guess a big milestone for the brand was being acquired by Unilever back in 2019. And I think lots of people will know Unilever for for being a business that really believes in the power of purpose to build successful brands. But I think people will also recognise that there'll also be some key differences between, you know, how big corporates operate when it comes to purpose and those sort of born good startups. So Were any measures put in place to ensure that your purpose really remained at the heart of your business strategy and the heart of of your growth as you became part of the huge behemoth that is the Unilever machine? It might be a bit of a surprising answer, but actually, no. We were really acquired because Unilever recognised the potential of a really nutritious snacking business and what that would bring to their overall nutrition strategy. We continue today to operate as a separate business. And so we have an enormous amount of autonomy. And I give Unilever a lot of credit for that, actually. They supported us when we went through the B Corp accreditation, because actually when they acquired us, Grays wasn't yet a B Corp. That happened after the acquisition. And we've also done things like becoming a living wage accredited employer. And again, Unilever have really enabled us to run the business as we want to. And again, I go back to the reason we exist is because of our purpose. Without it, we won't deliver the returns that Unilever would expect of an acquisition. I think that's really interesting for anyone who knows the Unilever business. It is a business of brand builders, marketers, people who develop new products and bring them to market. And so actually, There is a sense within Unilever that you might work on a brand, but you're very much a Unilever employee. So to have a a business that is set up or run kind of independently, that's quite different, I suppose. So can you talk a bit more about what that means in practice in terms of being owned by Unilever, but actually running the business sort of somewhat independently? 
Yeah, I think it recognises that Grey's has a very specific DNA and that to nurture that DNA, Unilever appreciated that actually enabling Grey's to stay as a separate business was the best thing to do. And that DNA comes not just by being purpose-driven, but we're also an incredibly data-driven and kind of tech business. And again, that comes from our foundations. We have a subscription business, which means we have direct engagement with consumers who receive our snacks through the post every week. Those capabilities have meant that we've got quite distinct DNA. And that, I think, again, it, it pays dividends, right? We attract great talent into our business. People recognize that we're owned by a very purpose-driven multinational. Um, and so there's certainly talent that might look at, you know, coming into Grays, but then going on to future careers within Unilever. But that independence has been really valued by people both within Grays and then as we've attracted people to the business as well. Within that context, sort of how do you make sure that you really get the benefits of the Unilever business behind you? But equally, are there specific things that happen to make sure that that exchange is two-way and actually some of those capabilities that you bring, whether that's around sort of purpose or around data or that different direct-to-consumer model, that those are actually shared back across the Unilever group? Yeah, we've definitely taken advantage of the Unilever parentage, I think, particularly in terms of manufacturing. If I think about, you know, I joined the business in the thick of the pandemic. It was really important to us that we kept all of the team that were at our factory safe. And we took great advice from Unilever in terms of thinking about how do we put the best protocols in place, for example. So, We've definitely seen it as a two-way relationship where, you know, we've we've given them advice and counsel to some of the brands who have considered becoming B Corps. What has that journey been like? What are the demands that that places on a business? But as I said, there's been other instances where we've definitely taken advantage of being part of the Unilever family. As you've mentioned, and just like given, you're one of a growing number of B Corps in the UK. So tell me a bit more about how that decision came about, what the journey was like for Greys and what you're seeing as some of the, the main benefits of being B Corp certified. Yeah, so the journey had actually already started before I joined Greys and then we successfully certified within about seven months of me joining the business. Super proud day. And often, even today, whenever we host company meetings, um, I'm often found reading out the the commitment to interdependence, which is part of obviously becoming a B Corp. Um, I think the principles of B Corp, though, are really embedded into the organisation. That's something I'm really proud of. So some really tangible examples. We talk, particularly in project meetings, around the quadruple bottom line. That's for profit, people, planet, and for our customers, because often we're going into business um, through a retailer. And, and being so considerate and so focused of how is this initiative that we're taking into market enabling us to deliver a benefit to profit, delivering a benefit to from a social or an environmental perspective is in the everyday kind of language of our business. It's a really tangible way of us not just being a purpose-driven business that's in our DNA, but it's in the, the practicalities of actually how we bring innovation to market as well. What are you seeing as some of the biggest benefits of being B Corp certified? 
I think first and foremost, it's about how do you build a better business? And we will often refer back to the B Corp Impact Assessment as a framework to kind of assess an area of the business or the business on on a total level. As many of your listeners will know, you research every three years. And so it's that continuous improvement agenda that we drive through being a B Corp and then wanting to be better. But again, it's also incredibly valuable. Consumers are starting to become more aware of it. We know that that is still relatively low but it's increasing in terms of understanding. We know that increasingly our customers are engaging with it. We saw some great activations for B Corp Month with customers like Waitrose and WH Smith. Really fantastic to see that coming to life in the retail environment. We're using it to engage with suppliers as we're starting to challenge areas of our supply chain which have a heavy carbon footprint. You know, that B Corp certification gives us, to some extent, the external validation. And then, you know, it's a top three reason why talent join Greys. People want to work for purpose-driven businesses and B Corp is that external proof of concept that you're not just saying that you're purpose-driven, but you have been truly assessed and and proven to be so. Great. I think I want to spend a bit of time unpacking how you unlock the benefits of being a purpose-driven brand more generally, because I think as, as we've talked about, Unilever is a a big believer in the power of purpose to build successful brands. We know that the evidence is there, that they're better at attracting, retaining talent. They have more engaged teams, more innovative cultures. And I think as a marketeer and a brand builder, by background, we, we know that they create more distinctive, relevant brands. But That can only happen if purpose actually leads to a business and and, and brands doing things differently. So what are some of the biggest changes that you've made to make Grays a more responsible, sustainable, more purposeful business over the last few years? So the first that I would talk about is that we are a living wage accredited employer. And that's something I'm really proud of. We became that um, after I joined the business. And that's recognising the importance of giving your employees a living wage. Right, It's above minimum wage. And it talks to, in my mind, the sense that you're building a better business, which isn't just better for profit, better for your consumers, but is better for the people who work for your business as well. And can you tell me about some of the other changes that you've made at Grays, really in the pursuit of being a, a truly purpose-driven brand? Yeah, so one that we've actually just recently taken into market is that we've changed the packaging material on all of our retail products. Um, So again, for maybe people who are a bit less familiar to what Grays is, we have two main ranges um, that we sell through retailer partners. Um, That's our Oat Boost, which comes in many kind of wrappers and then in a box, and then our sharing bags, which are kind of mixes of savoury snacks. We kind of challenged ourselves because the packaging that they were in wasn't fully recycled. Recyclable. And as a B Corp and as a business striving to do better, we just didn't feel like that was good enough. Now, what's interesting is often when you throw that challenge to your team, how do you make your packaging more recyclable? That often comes at a cost, right? There is a conception that often profit and social or environmental impacts sit at opposite ends of the spectrum. And what was great was actually we worked with partners to improve the recyclability of our material and didn't do that with a negative effect to our bottom line. That's a great win. And the packaging looks even 
even more amazing in terms of standout on shelf. So even better for shoppers as they're looking in to pick up, you know, healthy snacks. And can you lift the lid a little more on what that really looked like in terms of how long did that process take, who was involved, things that didn't work out along the way, just to really get a sense of, I guess, what it takes to create that shift that we're talking about? Yeah, so that was a a project that was nine months in the making. As I said, it's just going into market now, which is really exciting to see it. And it started from the challenge to look at how do we improve our standout on shelf and how do we improve the, the footprint of our packaging? So it was very much the brief. The team went out into the market to start to engage with our current and potentially new suppliers and really interrogate and understand what materials were available that we could use. And again, having the kind of proof point of our commitment to sustainability as a B Corp, I think it enables suppliers to take that challenge really seriously. They know that's not just something that's been thrown out as a challenge, but a real commitment to do that. Once we'd found the suppliers that we wanted to work with, we then went through a whole host of kind of commissioning. It was totally new packaging material that we had to put down our lines. They'd been set up for something totally different. And so our our operations team really went through multiple versions of of trialing that material to make sure that it worked, that it still delivered great shelf life, protection for our products. And then ultimately, we brought that to market, which is really exciting. But, you know, definitely a lot of blood, sweat and tears went into making that happen. Yeah, it sounds like a total transformation, really, in terms of not just switching out the material, but switching out the sort of whole delivery system for the product and therefore all of the kind of operational stuff around that in order to take that and bring it to market and get it into onto shelves. Definitely. And, you know, ultimately we're taking a food product to market, right? So we don't only want to be tasty and nutritious, but we've got to make sure that we're protecting that product so that it lasts for as long as we say it will on the shelf life. So definitely lots of of work done to make sure that 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 really happened. So I I think those kind of big, Bold commitments, changes are so important in bringing purpose to life. But we also know that often it's the kind of smaller decisions and choices that get made in businesses every day that really make the difference when it comes to sort of truly living up to that purpose. So are there any ways in which you're ensuring that the purpose is embedded through decision making right across the organisation? And what does that really look like in practice? We also believe, right, little actions can create a big impact. Um, That's definitely a philosophy that we live and breathe through Greys. And I think in addition to the work that any of our kind of functional leads will drive for on the B Corp assessment, and again, as I said, we use the impact assessment to kind of really drive forward the business on a day-to-day basis. How do we make it constantly better, striving for that improvement? We also recognise that there are some people in our business which might not have such a tangible kind of everyday impact on how to build Greys as a better business. And that's where we see those people really engaging with our purpose through passion projects or volunteering their time and energy into making Greys just a better place for our talent and for our consumers. And that can be, as I said, as simple as, you know, everyone at Greys is given a volunteer day. We use that to support our partners, City Harvest and Nishcam Swat in um, in Hayes. So really working in our community. A day a year is, in some respects, a little commitment. But, you know, when I think about the impact that we have as a total business out kind of in in our communities that mounts up right that has a big impact that's really important to those partners so the opportunities for everyone to get involved is a really practical thing for every business to kind of think about whether that is 
you know, a day out of a year, or it's through making sure that in our project management meetings, as I said, we use the quadruple kind of win as a a framing for how we think about any of our projects. And it becomes a really tangible way of making sure that we're doing that business well. Yeah. And I think those really practical tools and frameworks are so important in providing that guidance around decision-making specifically. I think this is something that we've been doing lots of work with with our clients on in terms of how do you enable people to make purpose-driven decisions? And I think in lots of organizations, there's a default mindset that's based perhaps on a bit of risk, a bit of cost, and actually giving people the permission or even the kind of expectation that decisions are made on that quadruple bottom line basis, I think is incredibly powerful and a really brilliant way, I guess, of keeping purpose on the agenda whilst balancing that idea that this is about growth and financial performance, but also about impact, positive impact for people, the planet, and of course, for for customers as well. So keeping that in mind in terms of how you maintain that focus on those four, um, I guess, ingredients. Any advice to leaders and other businesses who are really looking to drive growth and business performance, but through this particular focus on more purposeful business practices? I would start from a philosophy which I have, which is what's the problem that you're trying to solve? Because if there's a genuine problem there that as a business you can help solve, you will create business value and you will add social and hopefully environmental impact. That's always my start point. If you're not solving a genuine problem, then you are just making money for the sake of making money, in my opinion. The second one, though, is be prepared for some hearty debates, right? We talk about the quadruple line. We use it regularly within the business. And there are times when we may choose to do something for some of the stakeholders within that model that is positive and maybe not positive um, to others. But it becomes a really intentional choice. And I think that is really important as you are kind of growing a business as that business is maturing to almost have that framework in mind so that you can have that healthy debate. There will be times when you do something that is favorable to profit, maybe unfavorable to planet, but there are going to be other occasions when you make a call, which is you're going to invest, as I said, as a living wage employer into into our employees that may have a short-term detrimental impact to profit, but ultimately you believe it, it will add value over time. So it is that framework that enables you then to have the hearty discussion and debate, which I think is really powerful. So I think you've given us some brilliant examples from within the Gray's business of what it really takes to bring purpose to life and to do it well. And we know that purpose is on the agenda for businesses, big and small, across the UK. But moving on to a conversation about policy and regulation, why do you think we need to change company law when it comes to purpose and responsible business practices? One of the things I'm an advocate for is something called the Better Business Act, and that is advocating for a change in company law. Uh, Today, company law, if you're a company director, for example, your fiduciary duty is actually to put profit ahead of all other stakeholders in order to be a responsible director. And we want to challenge that convention. We believe that that company law is outdated and that there is an opportunity to recognise that all stakeholders should be considered, as we do as a B Corp, but we recognise that becoming a B Corp is a demanding process. So the Better Business Act, as I said, is advocating for that change in a particular section of company law, section 172, to enable directors actually to fulfil their duty by considering all stakeholders and the impact that they may have. 
And, and what do you think that would mean in practice? What would you expect to see happen if the Better Business Act was successfully got through Parliament? I think it will accelerate the momentum that purpose-driven businesses already have in the market today. So you could argue, I've had this debate with um, an MP or two, that you don't need to change it because actually that's the nature of how business is evolving anyway which is true, but we have to recognise also that the UK has an opportunity to be on the complete front foot of how it drives legislation across the business community. This would really put the UK at the forefront of that. And I think that's exciting, not only as a business leader within the UK, but also when you look at ESG-driven investment is certainly leading the way versus um, non-ESG investment. And so the opportunity for um, the UK to change company law and use that as a tool to attract more investment into the country, into supporting the growth of great purposeful driven businesses, um, that's something that we should be taking advantage of. What do you imagine that might mean day to day for I guess, a company director in a small business versus a much larger corporate? I think for many small businesses, it would feel like a pretty minimal change because what you tend to see is small businesses are already incredibly considerate of their social impact, their impact in the community. The vast majority of coalition members for the Better Business Act are those businesses that are already leading in that way. There would be more requirements for larger businesses where there is an expectation that the company directors would publish probably on an annual basis along with their accounts, a report of some form that recognises how they have considered other stakeholders beyond only profit. But it is really with that intent of how does it help them reflect on the decisions they're making as they steward a business forward with that more considered view across multiple stakeholders rather than simply, as you said, shareholder return. And I guess, I mean, you've mentioned one perspective that says, well, this is the way that things are going. So do we need a change in legislation to make that happen faster? I guess I think there could be another perspective that says that actually there will be companies who won't want to engage with this, for whom this won't be considered to be the right direction for them. And therefore, their response will be to find a kind of legally compliant solution that actually doesn't lead to the changes that you're talking about. So do you see that as a particular risk? Is it a risk? I think naturally, right? You will inevitably have some businesses that choose to operate in a way that is counter to having a positive impact. I think you have to reflect on the fact that we are facing an obesity crisis, a cost of living crisis, an environmental crisis. Can we afford to lower to some extent the benchmark of how businesses operate because of the few businesses who may choose to operate not purposefully? We've got lots of people listening who are working, you know, in businesses in the UK. So how can people who work in British companies get involved? And I guess particularly interested in your ask of other CEOs as well. What's your call to action for them? So first thing to do is join the coalition. And that's very simple. Go on to the betterbusinessact.org 
and you'll find all of the details for how you can sign up. What the team do behind the BBA is a fantastic set of resources to help you engage, particularly with your local MPs. This is an opportunity for you to interact with your local MP. As business leaders, you are important to those MPs because you're employing individuals within their communities. Um, So this is an opportunity for you to engage with those. There are also always opportunities to advocate for the BBA. I've presented in front of the Industrial Strategy Select Committee, which was a great experience. We've done a mass lobby of MPs at Westminster. So many opportunities to get involved. But first and foremost, go and sign up, join the coalition. Well, Joanna, it's been such a pleasure having you on Purposing. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks again to Joanna. Lots of brilliant insight there. So here are a few things that I've taken from the conversation. Be clear about what purpose-driven decision-making looks like in your business. Give people the tools and the permission to make intentional choices. Grace's quadruple bottom line is a great example. Be prepared for healthy debates and to explain your decisions. Involve your suppliers in how you're delivering your purpose. Most big businesses spend millions of pounds each year with hundreds, if not thousands of suppliers. Embedding purpose into procurement is essential. And the first step has to be asking the question, do our biggest suppliers understand and know how to help us deliver on our purpose? Find out more about the Better Business Act. There is no silver bullet for driving the purpose agenda, but ensuring legislation is helping to accelerate that shift rather than getting in the way is key. Find out more at betterbusinessact.org. If you'd like more practical advice on building a purpose-driven business with brilliant insights from people like Joanna, download our Insider's Guide to Purpose at givenagency.com forward slash insider's guide.